0: This drink, I like it.
1: I know, it's great, right? Another!
0: Another! what is going on everybody welcome to a brand new episode of film on tap where we've got the tap that never runs out today we've got an absolutely amazing show for you pretty jam-packed we got three huge movies to talk about but before we jump on into that we did want to address something something that's been going on for the past several weeks uh something that's very important to the entertainment industry so i'll let andres take it away and uh let the people know what's going on here
2: yeah, thanks, Tom. So I feel like a news anchor like that. As you should. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> well, you
0: didn't do the delay, so.
2: <laughs> no, it's now I late. did the delay. Well, now it's too late. <laughs> okay. Now it's too late. Now it's just awkward. Yeah. All right. Well, um, no, Tom, uh, I really wanted to talk about the WGA strike. W- <laughs> no, Tom. <laughs> no, Tom. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. So, no, essentially what's been going on right now is apparently the writers and The Screen Actors Guild is pretty much on strike for the first time in over, what is it, 60 or 50 years or so? This is sort of just a big historical moment in the film industry right now and just in entertainment in general. And just like, first off, where I mean, I can I can say for all of us, I think we're in full support of the strike going on, you know, because what it's. What it's basically amounting to is just, you know, everyone trying to get a fair wage, trying to get a livable wage and just just at least getting a little piece of what all these billionaires over at the studios are getting. And just, you know, there's the consensus that that, you know, oh, if you work or if you write on movies or something like that, you must be rich, which that is not the truth at all. And this is kind of just a big moment in time where it's like, you know what, now everybody deserves a little piece of the pie and I know there's a lot of misinformation out there about how you can support The Strike. Um, so many people have started saying that, oh, go cancel your Netflix subscriptions. No, that that's that's not necessarily the answer um, at all, but if you really want to support The Strike, you can actually go on and visit the, um, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild of America and you can actually donate to the Entertainment Fund as well, too. So If you want to show your support, go ahead and show your support there. Um, Just know that I canceled the subscriptions. That's not necessarily the big big push that, that some of these people need. And keep in mind, this is probably going to go on for a long time. And so many people are probably just wondering, like, oh, you know what? This is really not going to affect us in any way if people are on strike or whatever it is. I mean, we're already seeing the remnants of that where movies like um what's it called? Um Challengers, the the um the Zendaya movie, and then also Doom Part two is also looking to get pushed and Aquaman two is is possibly looking to get pushed because of the strikes. So <laughs> that, <yeah>. poor <laughs> that poor movie.
0: That poor movie.
1: I, was, I saw Tom Spice, I was like, "Oh, not Aquaman!"
2: No, anything <laughs> but <Not> Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> anything but Dune as well. But yeah, we're we're gonna be so like the thing is, we've not had a we've not had a writer strike in like maybe about like thirteen or twelve years, but we have not also had a screen actor strike for quite a bit of time and. If you want to see the remnants of what happened during the last writer strike, I'll name three movies right now that people are just like, oh, God, those are terrible movies. Like Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is probably one of the biggest casualties of the writer strike. Um, the Wolfman, the Benicio del Toro movie and uh, Quantum, Quantum of Solace. Solace. Yeah. Quantum of Solace, yeah, and because those sh- those movies, they went into production without being able to change anything and they're like well we got to make the release date and so if you don't want an entire year of those movies that's why you should go and support the strike but also just go support the strike because everybody deserves fair wages so there you go (laughs) yeah
0: i mean i definitely agree i mean they should get what they deserve uh i mean there's a reason why we had a strike before there's a reason why we're having now and the fact that we have writers and actors on strike is pretty significant and the fact that uh You know, studios and, you know, these heads of the studios more specifically are not really playing ball and that they're just almost waiting them out to see how far they'll go without getting paid or you know how long they're willing to go before they finally buckle which i think is really fucked up um and yeah i think this is going to be a month's long thing this is not going to get resolved quickly i think a lot of movies and shows are going to get pushed back uh, a lot of movies and tv shows have already stalled so i mean good for them for holding true and i hope that they continue to do so um i just think there's a lot of studios out there being a little bit greedy right now and it's you know been prevalent in all the news stories we've seen on the internet and we're gonna to continue to read all that stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm on the writers and actors side of course. Uh I really hope they do resolve it. I hope they get what they deserve, um, so that we can get the entertainment that they help produce and help make that we all enjoy. So that's what I gotta say about damn.
1: I don't know why when you say I hope they get what they deserve, it sounds like in a negative <laughs> way. But oh, I know what you mean I hope <laughs> they Out get there. what they deserve. Why well, yeah if I
0: said it like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um but no, yeah, I'm on the same page. I also think that the like, you know, the the big wigs, so to speak, don't realize how much this is affecting a lot of people. Um, you know, for example, I have a client where the mom is a hair a hairdresser and I believe makeup for movies and shows, and she's right. she has no work right now. I um, mean, you know, and they're on a one person income, so it you know it definitely affects a lot of people, and I don't think that they're considering that. And, you know, when you're an actor who's only getting cents for residuals off of, you know, things that have gone to streaming, that's very unfair to get, you know, that low of money for work that you've put in, and it's in your contract to get residuals, so yeah definitely supporting in that way and they have also said you know don't stop going to movies don't stop your subscriptions actors themselves had said this so the best way to support is Mm -hmm. to you know go give money to certain you know organizations and stuff like that um and then go to the website as well
2: so the the um sag and also um uh w i mean uh, the DGA have also um, put out uh, various articles, um, you know, detail going into much greater detail on what on what sites you can go on if you want to support the writers more, or if you want to support the the um, the the actors as well too. If 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 you want to make your voice heard in multiple categories, then there you go. They, they they they're doing a great job with the publicity. That's for sure right now. Like I don't think the big difference between the last strike and this one is that. I don't think we've gotten nearly as many people that are pro-union that want this to come out great for everybody else, except for the Producers Guild. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah. for,
1: go Fran dresser being out there with everyone. Good
2: for you. Oh, my God. Like, honestly, what a 180 that that turned into. Because, like, people are like, why is she taking a vacation all the way over in Italy and taking photos with Kim Kardashian? And then all of a sudden, you're just like, oh... Oh no, she she's looking out for for all of them. Like you know, all right, she's on the ball right now. Like you know what I right. mean? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, no, we we all we all thought that Sarah. Con- There's a great meme out there where it's like we all thought Sarah Connor was going to save us from from machines and AI, but it's actually Fred Drescher saving us from machines <laughs> and AI.
1: <laughs> Look,
0: our heroes come in the most unlikely of places. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, Fred Drescher. Absolutely. But yeah, we we, uh, we wanted to definitely address that before we headed into today's show, since that's something that's been ongoing and something that's very significant in the realm of Hollywood. So we're definitely curious to see what you guys think in the comments, so definitely let us know. But without further ado, we've got a plethora of things to talk about today. We have three huge movies that we're going to be talking about. The first of which is a movie that seems to have been shrouded by... The latest releases of Barbie and Oppenheimer, a huge movie that came out just, what was it last week or the week before that? And that was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one uh a huge movie this summer that unfortunately picked a bad time to be released but regardless it's been getting great reviews we all have seen it let's talk about this movie and of course spoilers will be involved in this discussion so if you have not seen any of these movies beware you have been warned and we do not apologize if you continue watching or listening anyway so let's talk about mission impossible dead reckoning part one what do we think general thoughts and then we'll delve on in let's start with nancy
1: It was really good. I've only seen the first two. Um, So it was actually, you know... You would think that would affect me watching this one but it's actually kind of cool to see the leap from the first ones to this one um and especially i love how they still keep the intro as if it's a tv show of giving little clips of what's about to happen of like on this week's episode um so i had a lot of fun with it it didn't drag at all you know for the almost three hours that it was it was very entertaining i loved it all the stunts were good action was good um yeah so i I loved it. It's very good.
0: All right. Okay, Andres.
2: I mean, this—if it's Mission Impossible and if it's Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is not gonna underdeliver on the spectacle, and this movie fucking killed it. I thought I—I I loved it top to bottom if granted for me, it's a tad step down from Fallout because Fallout is actually my favorite out of all the Mission Impossible movies, but purely because I think they were able to fit the stunts and the emotionality um, sort of kind of have it balanced out. Whereas this one, I kind of felt they had the emotionality a little a little more higher, but the stunts kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of is emotionality yeah. <laughs> a word. I, that's what I was thinking. The scene is about emotionality. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like,
0: like you. I feel like you've said things so confidently in the past where I believe that is a word. hold on. I'm going <laughs> to look
2: yeah. this up. All right. How about, you how, got how, got how about from, this? The, the emotional core.
0: The emotional um, okay, core okay. of the movie. I, there I, you I, go. Well, no. It says emotionality is the observable, okay. behavioral, and psycho. Sorry, and physiological component of emotion it's probably not what you were thinking of but it technically is a word
1: technically is a word you are safe today
0: yes but that probably wasn't the word you were looking for (laughs) look
2: we do this out of love maybe it was the word i was looking for are you
1: saying the stunts weren't as good
2: I will say that the stunts I feel in Fallout was actually a little better, but but the stunts in this one are fucking incredible as well. It's it's just it's just (laughs) like a slight like, okay all right. Like if you've seen Fallout, I have not, you know, (laughs) and there you go. (laughs) Oh, you haven't seen Fallout. Oh, wow.
1: Describe. I just said I saw the first two. Oh, you never watched the
0: other one? I thought you said you like you watched them progress. That's what I heard.
1: No, I said I saw the no, first I, I heard, two, I heard the
0: and then, thing. then it was I, no, cool to I see like, Nancy the, the first time where she between was like, the two. Yeah, no, she's only seen the Andy first Frost. two movies. Oh, okay. Well, you're in for a treat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I'm um, okay. But, yeah, no, I, I freaking love this movie. I thought it was great. I thought the stunts were on point. Um, there's so many things that, I mean... Can we all just talk about really quickly how genius it is that Tom Cruise released a movie where he is battling an AI in the midst of a strike that one of the big things is, AI. is the use is the use of AI. you yep, <laughs> like, yep. oh, man, Tom Cruise, you are just such a freaking genius. But, yeah, I love the movie. Again, tiny bit of a step down from Fallout, but it's it ranks up pretty high up there in the in the the pantheon of Mission Impossible (laughs) movies. (laughs) You really really had to think about that one.
1: I would like to go on record saying my internet was fine all day, and then of course, it chose this moment to cut out on me. What the hell?
0: (laughs) It's okay. We, We ran with it. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry Yeah, about we're it. all facing technical issues today. All right. <laughs> yeah, right, I miss? what I miss? Nothing. We were just shit-talking you a ton, so... Okay,
1: thanks. <laughs> thanks. As it should be. As yeah. it should be. No. Yeah, so what I was saying was, I saw the first two, then I saw, like, leaped to this one. So it was kind of cool to see the leap from, like, the early movies to this one.
2: What, was it also just a little jarring, deceiving? Rames go from, like, being, like, very fit to all of a sudden he's just, like an old man just just like barely fitting inside of the van <laughs>
1: I mean listen he is very good looking for his progression that he has taken for his life Yes, that's wow! Awesome. Oh, oh no, that, oh no, I mean, look. I'll, 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 I mean, look. That was a very, like he got
2: older. And I mean, that's it. It's talk, thirty to, years. I mean, guys. talk about a
0: journey to, to calling someone fat.
2: <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! I wasn't <laughs> calling him fat. I, I was, was just <laughs> calling him <laughs> a little older. No, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about Nancy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the nicest way yeah, I could. That put was that. the nicest possible
0: way you could have said that. Hey, he's fat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess you did, Andres. You said he barely fit in that van, so that is exactly what you were
2: saying. Oh my god! That that is exactly. Wow! Cheesecake, Ethan.
1: Watching this though, I was literally like, "Does no one fucking age?" Like Jesus, everyone's faces were just gorgeous. Like, screw you guys. (laughs) No aging in these movies.
2: Oh my lord. Oh yeah, and and then also with with having what's his name? Uh Kittridge there from the first one. That that's a character that we've not seen like it's it's funny because you went from one, two, all the way over to this, to this one mm-hmm. and Kittredge actually has not shown up in the franchise ever since the first one, so there oh, you go. That's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. I did not realize that. Yep.
2: And cool. he still and he still looks good for his age too. There he you go. See everyone's yes. looking good. He really
0: looks good for this point in his life. This progression he's taken at this <laughs> point in time. He looks great.
1: Exactly. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm definitely in the the same boat as you guys. I really love this movie. Uh, as a huge Mission Impossible fan, I mean, I was a gigantic fan of Fallout in particular. That still remains. I would say my favorite in the series. I think it's the strongest. There's the stunts, just the intensity. It's just like this nonstop freight train of thrills and chills. It's amazing. But Dead Reckoning Part 1 has some of the best stunts in the franchise. There's a train sequence. That's one of the best things the franchise has ever done full stop. There's an amazing car chase that's as entertaining as it is hilarious. Uh, There's an amazing corridor fight scene. There's a scene where Tom Cruise runs in a hallway of candles in a hallway of candles people and I, I shit you not i said this in my review i will say it again i think he blew one of those candles out with the velocity by which the, he was running
2: <laughs> no, he did I, I i saw your review yeah. right it's before i went to go see you the know? movie it's, it's and then and then, and then literally I'm, yeah and then literally like i'm watching the movie on a huge ass screen oh, and you probably just know like better looking, than me then <laughs> yeah no 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 because you had brought it up that's all i was focused <laughs> in on i was like Oh, there it is. They're all going out. And you can co- so clearly see that when the two cops are pursuing him, they're barely doing anything to those candles. But when Tom Cruise is running, oh, like man. you just feel this gigantic gust go yeah, past everything. You just everything. feel like this
0: huge—I'm telling you, it was beautiful. If, whoever proposed the idea of Tom Cruise running through a corridor of candles— thank you sir some heroes don't wear capes
1: <laughs> like <laughs> oh
0: man but yeah I love the movie let's talk spoilers about it our favorite parts maybe some things we didn't care for Let go for it whoever wants to jump in first
1: well I really liked um, and I apologize I can't pronounce her name it's like Palm Clementif Clementif I think it uh, was that, yeah
2: yeah. I think I think she, I think it is. She plays From Mantis.
1: Center. Yeah, um, she was really good. I really liked Fantastic. her. I really loved seeing her in something new because Mantis is kind of like a silly character, and you know, which she, she plays great. A lover in Guardians of the Galaxy, but this she was just such a badass in it. I absolutely loved it. And again, spoilers. I did love when she, uh, you know, helped Ethan and. The other girl, whose name I can't remember, Grace, Grace out, um, and she was like, "He told me I would betray him." It's like, "Well, yeah, you, you, he almost fucking killed you, of course." Um, so I, re- <laughs> I really loved her character. I thought that was great. Yeah, she was a great like
0: <laughs> henchman character, which is very yeah. rare for like a series like this. Like, she really made a mark. She even had like a little mini arc too. I was like, "Good for you."
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and what I'm hoping now is that she's going to be part of the team in the next movie. Like, oh, I was talking about someone... Paul <laughs> Clemente. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well then that, that's, that's exactly what a, I was talking oh, about. Oh, right, she, she had a pulse. A she had, pulse. Pulse. Yeah. Yeah, she had why, a pulse. Yeah, That's
1: exactly why I was like, oh, she coming back.
2: I, oh,
0: yeah. I, 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 would, I, I would love that because she's fucking awesome.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and also just even some of the, some of the, uh, like, like, in terms of just the moments where she would go from, like, just being like, utterly horrifying not showing any emotion whatsoever and then all of a sudden her just going like "Ah!" like like just (laughs) all the outbursts in the car i was like oh my god i do not want to piss her off at all yeah and and then just just like just like the smiles and the laughs that she has as she's like in the truck as she's barreling through all these cars and i'm like that is kind of horrifying so you know what bravo on on the team uh, realizes that potential for this henchman. Like, oh my god, she was fantastic. Yeah, Yeah.
1: especially in that car chase, um, you know, because you... I thought that was the funniest thing when he's like, yeah, get in this fancy car, and there's this tiny-ass little, like, wind-up-looking car (laughs) that he ends up stealing, (laughs) and I think uh, the... You know, you really do see her... And her evilness because they're trying to avoid everyone she's just basically like fuck you and then like backing <laughs> up into everyone and running into everything so yeah i thought that was great but also like why the hell is grace such a bad driver like i i was as soon as she got in that car i was like what the fuck are you doing do you not know how to turn a car <laughs> she was like running into everything and like yeah it's just like jesus
2: it, it, it just seemed like that, like they just had to add some type of character flaw to her character mm. just to make sure that, oh, she wasn't, like, necessarily, um, like, she could hack into anything. No, not hack, but she could steal anything, essentially. Yeah. So I think they, they just kind of brought that in as a little bit of comedy. But honestly, I kind of <laughs> felt that that comedic moment was earned because you could see the frustration in Ethan just going, like... Oh, can you really not drive? Are you kidding me right now? Like yeah. when she does the donut around the car. And then you see Palm Clementine, like, like, her, like her reaction, where she's like, the fuck are they doing? They <laughs> yeah. could have gotten away. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. It's like, yep.
1: turn right. Turn right. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you could easily turn right and you could avoid this entire situation. <laughs>
0: I mean, literally the fact that uh, that whole sequence was like they were handcuffed to each other, that was like genius. I love that.
2: Oh, yeah. No, that that was fantastic i mean but oh my goodness but probably probably my favorite um stunt or sequence out of the entire movie was when um when tom cruise when uh, ethan has to jump off the cliff on the uh, on the motorbike and then all of a sudden they're like right right before that moment he's like i can't do this what what, what are you talking about and then Cyberpeg is on the other end, just like ethan you always do this right you have to jump it yeah. you're gonna figure it out <laughs> and you're just like Oh, he's been through seven movies, and yeah, you know what? I'd I'd be be on the same page with Simon Pegg, too. It's like, Ethan, you could do this, all right? Stop complaining. Figure it out. No, I... I... (laughs) I
0: love the the context in which that jump happens because like we've all seen it in the trailers of him jumping off the cliff and it looks incredible, but the context mm-hmm. in which it happens is so great because there's like this urgency to it and it's like a no no choice have to do it kind of thing, and then that like cut of him just like colliding into the train and knocking that guy out was like the chef's kiss on that sequence because it was so funny and Cruz just sold the shit out of it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah because it was very, it was so unplanned and I think it was great when he landed the train you could tell he's like so discombobulated it was like oh fuck what did I just do he's like do? I can't
2: that worked <laughs> yeah exactly he's like "Hi, oh, uh, do you have the key and it's like oh my god he's still he's still like on the mission phase right there it's that was so great yeah yep.
1: <laughs> I will say I'm a little confused which maybe you guys can clarify I mean mm-hmm. Isai Isai Morales I think that's how you pronounce it oh Love him. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" You back from La Bamba? Appreciate it. Uh, I was just thinking
2: that too, La Bamba. That's the only time I remember him. Just for you fans of La Bamba
0: out there.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh! a side note, at the end when he's like, "Ethan," all I could think of was he's like Richie at the end of the movie. It's the best. Um, wow. Okay, but I was confused because. He basically says, okay, one of you has to die, because that's what the entity has told me. So in order for this to work, one of you's got to die, and then you get the key on this bridge. So why, then, did they go and, like, seek him out and try to kill him if they didn't have the... If he didn't have the key, wouldn't it have been better just to, like, not go there and risk getting killed and giving him the key?
2: It's it's one of those things where where the entity, uh, as, as it's called in the movie knows knows that ethan will always put his his life before anyone else's so in doing all the math of like oh hey that's you know ethan is not going to just sit there and not do anything it's like no matter no matter even if you told him that you were supposed to die he was he was still going to do something so i think that the entity did all those equations and basically figured out that like you know. it's not that it's not that somebody has to die it's that somebody will die
1: right but my point is then why would the why would grace and um what's her face i can't remember her name uh oh elsa yeah why would they then go seek him out on the bridge you know what i mean it's like he's telling them what's going to happen and they're like okay we're going to do exactly that instead of trying to Change it, or like okay, let's meet up and have a plan like that's the part I didn't get it was just it was it was weird in the sense of like, hey, this is going to happen, this is what I need to happen for my plan to work, and then they just go along with it
2: see i I don't think that Grace was going along with it. I mean, I think that she was just running away <laughs> just, just to get away from the situation in general, and then Ilsa was the only one that was really mm-hmm. pursuing um pursuing Labamba. La <laughs> That's Bamba. all I can call it. Yeah, La because
0: Didn't Grace have the key, which is why she was running from a cyber yeah. route? And then he beat her and then got the key and then Ilsa was there to try to get the key back and then she ended up dying because they fought. So, like, I feel like that makes mm-hmm. makes, makes sense.
1: Because they fought. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> they fought. Yeah. She,
1: yeah. Also, like, uh Grace annoyed me because I'm like, bitch, stay where you're supposed to be. Quit running yes. away. <laughs> like, he told <laughs> you to stay there. I don't have how many times you keep fucking this up. Quit running.
2: No. No, like, 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 there's that moment where, where she's, like, um, telling Ethan after Ilsa has died, like, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. And it's like, could you please stop running? Yes. <laughs> could you please just, like, nail your feet to the floor Listen right now? Listen to him.
0: <laughs> but see, that's the whole point, though. She's a thief. She's used to be on the run, used to being mm-hmm. on her own. So it makes sense. And she's not an agent oh, yeah. yet. So, like, yeah, it makes sense why she keeps running away. So, like, I can yeah. forgive that.
2: Yeah. No, no, I, I absolutely understood exactly why everything yeah. happened. I was still... I was still frustrated at it, but right, frustrated yeah. in the sense that, you know, you're just like, you, like again, seeing it from her point of view, she has no idea who these people are and how great they are together and how, how much of a family they become throughout the entire series. But, oh my goodness, but and now, now I just got reminded, no, actually, no, my favorite scene is the bomb disposal scene. That is my yeah, favorite scene That's a good the scene. Bunch. That's
0: a good scene.
1: Which yeah. one?
2: That's the one where uh, they're disposing, they're trying to, uh, Simon Pegg is trying to uh, Uh, dismantle the bomb in the airport. I was like, ah,
1: yes, I love me a good riddle. I was so excited." I,
2: that, was, that was yeah,
0: that was the scene that sold me on the whole AI p- prospect of the movie where I was like, "Oh, it's like it's forcing him to reveal personal things about him so it can use it against, you know, him and mm-hmm. his team." And then the fact that there was nothing even inside the bomb canister was like the cherry on top. I was like, "Oh, this
2: is this is quite a little threat."
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, really
2: and like and it also just kind of showed. I mean, I, I just love how it furthered the dynamic between the team, because like all of a sudden they're dealing with a nuclear bomb supposedly, and then they're like, "We're not going to tell Ethan about yeah, it. He's already so dealing with so much." And then all of a sudden, way when they're like, uh, "Ethan, uh, do you know what this riddle is at all?" Wait, wait, what are you talking about? We have a nuclear weapon. Wait, when's when's it going to go off? In about twenty seconds. All right, if it's a nuclear weapon, you have to interrupt me. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I that was that was so
1: funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But I, I, I thought for the longest time, Benji was going to be the one to die because there was that moment where they sort of built it up, where it was like, what is the most important thing in your life? And then Benji just goes, my friends. I'm like, oh, Benji. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy. But yeah, it's yeah. No. But again, really great movie and really great, really great. Just just team on that one. And I, again, solid effort on all fronts. <laughs> yeah. I also really the- enjoyed it.
1: I was say also in the beginning, uh, because you know, I haven't seen these movies, so obviously I don't know the pattern of what happens when he they show the guy entering like secretly into the room, and they're talking about this entity and stuff. My mind was like, okay, wait, is it like, is this a robot guy? Is this a cyborg? (laughs) Because his face looks like as if he was like an AI. actor like if they for some reason someday go to like we're just gonna make actors ai's like that's the face that mm. would be of an ai so i'm so confused i was like wait is this guy a robot i don't understand no, they didn't pull up his face i was like oh, yeah. okay
0: they did a great job again they got me with the fucking mask thing i swear they've done it so <laughs> many fucking times and yet every yeah. time it happens i'm like fucking masks (laughs) (laughs) they did did a great job in the trailer making you seem like the person who sets off this gas is like part of the villainous scheme of the movie and then it's fucking ethan hunt under the mask i was like chef's fucking kiss yeah it
1: was good and i even thought for a second i was like did he just murder all these people like oh that sucks i was like oh okay i get it now no it's great (laughs) touche touche
2: which I do love the gag over at the airport where we finally have someone in one of these movies try to rip a mask off. Yeah, <laughs> he's like digging his fingers into his mouth, and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And yeah. I'm like, oh my god, finally someone is trying to take off a mask. <laughs>
0: yep. I mean, I will say that's the only part of the movie that I didn't really care for. I felt like like Shea Wiggum the like agent and his partner who were trying to track down Ethan. Like, how many times do we, are we going to see Ethan outsmart these guys again and again and again? It just felt like yeah. unnecessary. and I was like these guys shouldn't even be in this movie
1: (laughs) well and let let him go like two three times like they could have caught him a few times like oh no mind.
2: and and also Shea Wiggum is kind of like he's I feel like he's sort of getting typecast in that role now where it's just like honestly he's like like he did the same thing in Joker, where he was a cop chasing after chasing after our protagonist, and then Death Note. He did the same thing too, and there was also another one where it's like, okay, do we really need Shane Wiggum to be a cop in every single one of these movies and to chase down the person that we know, or at least that we're supposed to be following and on their side of? And I'm like, oh my god, just just please do something else. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. That is just a resounding yep all around. But yeah, so overall if you were to give it out of five pints, what would you give Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One? Which I think is actually a nice complete meal oh. of a movie. And you know, like, yeah. it leaves the it leaves the story open, um, where like there's some dangling threads, but it feels like a full meal, while technically being half of a meal, that's the best way I could put it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that that this movie I would say that this movie feels like a part 1 or like one half of a story in the same way that The Dark Knight ended with like threads were still open but it didn't feel like oh we we just it didn't for me. It didn't feel as abrupt as Into the Spider Verse was, or as, fa- or even worse, Fast X, where you're just like nothing is solved at the end of Fast X, or like one small little thread, or like the big thread with Miles is not solved in across the Spider Verse. But you no know, spoilers for that movie as well, too. Sorry guys, it's been all summer. <laughs> but yeah, but this this one I, I kind of feel apologize was afterward. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry guys, <laughs> but. Yeah, but, but I feel that for this one, this one really handled the part one and part two aspect in the way that I think every movie should, where it, it doesn't feel like, oh, it, it doesn't feel like one half of a movie. It feels like chapter one of a two chapter of a two chapter story, if that makes sense.
1: It did its gotcha. job. It knew the assignment.
0: Mm. Yeah. It understood oh, yeah. the assignment. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It understood the assignment. But uh, out of five pints, what are we giving this bad boy? Andres,
1: you can go first.
2: <laughs> I was like, you go first. How but, uh, cordial! How cordial! <laughs> I, I would give this one a straight uh, five and a half. Uh, yeah, no, Four five and, and, and a half Four and a half Four and a half out of five. You must be drunk already. <laughs> I'm give drunk with power. Give it an extra power. star. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I would say four point five.
1: I'll give it a four. I think it was a solidly good movie. Can't wait for the second part.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I think I'd give it a solid four and a half out of five. Honestly, I really enjoyed this one. I would put it like just under Fallout, um, but I still really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the strongest entries in the series. And considering we're, what, seven movies in now, it's, it, the fact that the series is as good as it is is unbelievable. Tom Cruise, keep doing your thing. I want you in a cane doing these stunts. Let's go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe, Maybe after the box office with this. Uh, he, he said he was gonna he was gonna keep doing it as long as the audience still requested those movies. But I mean, I, I don't think the the fault of the box office lies with Tom Cruise or with the quality of the film. Like unlike so many films that cost like two hundred and fifty million dollars, all the money is up on screen on this. Like like everything is there. Everything feels like you're you're getting your money's worth where you go see this movie in the theater. But Yeah, with with just the box office for this, I mean, uh, I I think I think we're probably at a point now where if the next movie doesn't succeed nearly as well as they need it to, I think we might be facing the end of this franchise, which, you know, it's ah, God, it's still it's still one of the best, still one of the best action franchise that we have. And it sucks that this one is making so little in the box office right now. I mean, damn it's you, end Barbie sometime. and
0: Oppenheimer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking so, of, no. yeah.
0: yeah, there you go. Speaking of Barbie and Oppenheimer, we are shifting gears to the Barbenheimer event that took place this weekend. Audience, sh- 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 yeah, no, let's try that again. <laughs> audience showed up in droves to see these two movies barbie made 155 million dollars this weekend domestically and oppenheimer itself made 80 million dollars which i think is just incredible for both of these movies and of course we have seen both of these films we have had ourselves a barbenheimer event ourselves it's time to talk about them so which one would you guys like to talk about first i'll throw it up to you which one are you feeling first
1: i mean we can go go barbenheimer well, no, that's not what he was asking. We <laughs> um, <laughs> could go Barbie and Iber in that order. I will say I, I liked Barbie more, so I would prefer to save that for last. But up to you guys.
0: Uh oh, we ha- we have a neutral neutral perspective. Uh oh. Mm-hmm, hmm. Oh, Andres, what are you feeling?
2: Uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling we go alphabetical. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> alphabetical. <laughs>
2: alphabetical. All right.
1: Yeah. All Barbie. Right. Oh, yeah. That, no, I know. I, I know how alphabetical works.
2: <laughs> all right. So, all
0: right. So, I'll make the executive we'll call here. Then. We'll go Barbenheimer. We'll yeah. A little, <laughs> we'll start we'll with Barbie. Yeah. All right. We'll keep so it true. It's, Let's talk about... Fucking alphabetical. Fuck you.
1: (laughs) What an answer. Uh, Yeah,
0: what an answer. Um, Yeah, so we're going to talk about Barbie now. Um, Let's delve into this one. A lot of hype going into Barbie. Um, I was super excited to see it. Not ironically, just genuinely excited to see this movie. It looked fantastic. What did we think about Barbie? Let's start with you, Andres.
2: Okay, so walking into this, I was... My expectations were through the roof on this one, just with... Greta Gerwig and and all the members of the cast and all everyone creatively involved. uh, I was really looking forward to this one, really looking forward to it. And, you know, the hype was was at an all time high going to see it. And I will say, for the most part, it definitely succeeded and it definitely was great in so many capacities. I kind of feel like the third act kind of kind of fumbled a little bit at certain points, but Overall, I think it was a very, very strong effort from Greta Gerwig, and honestly, I think she should be commended in fully for being able to direct something of this scale and something of this, like for lack of a better word the kind of imagination that you need to have in order to do a movie like this and to be as self-referential as you are i i i think should be applauded and also you know greta you know she's officially the highest um the uh what's called the highest female director Um, like the highest grossing female, the highest grossing opening weekend female director. The fact that we're like,
1: what's it called, female? Yes, that's what I was looking for.
2: I love watching your mind
0: work in real time.
2: See, see, see. see, Now, 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 you guys got me just going like, is that how you say it? Is Tom and Nancy going to give me shit for this one right now? Oh God, it's the right state of mind to be in. Yeah.
1: Just be a bit,
2: yeah. you know. It's you. <laughs> yeah, no, but but overall, overall, I really enjoyed the hell out of this movie. It's not a perfect film, but it's definitely one of the one of the most fun I've had in the theaters uh, this this summer for sure. So I would probably give it. Overall, i kind whoa, of whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. You're jumping yeah. the gun, we're jumping not, the gun yeah. with the rating. We're not We're not reading yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Come down. It it, down. Keep
0: it in your pants, Gallego. Keep it <laughs> in my pants. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I really enjoyed it. There you go. Okay.
0: Right. <laughs> All right, how about you, Nancy? Okay.
1: Um, I definitely say I don't think this lived up to the hype for me. I still did enjoy it. I will say it was It was pretty cool seeing everyone you know dressed up in pink and all the especially all the younger <laughs> girls um as i was walking into the theater there was actually this little girl who was dressed up in like a little tutu in pink and i shit you not she had her hand on her hip and she was like this and no one <laughs> i thought someone was taking a picture or nah, something she's just embracing her inner barbie nope. that's all she's she was doing. just barbing it up <laughs> and I, she was like that for a good 30 seconds it was hilarious so you know <laughs> i like that aspect of like you know all these girls are able to go and see uh, something that they have enjoyed for probably all their lives, and then also you know, the younger generation enjoying it. I will say I didn't grow up with Barbies. I have two brothers. That was not really my thing. Um, So I didn't really (laughs) get it from that aspect, but it was an enjoyable movie. I will say the vibe of the movie threw me off a little bit because it almost felt like a kid's movie with adult content. And I, for whatever reason, it just didn't like fit for me. There was a lot of things that were rushed. Um, I feel like there was a lot of things you will see in kids' movies in the sense of, here's a problem, here's a solution, and then we did it. It's very, very simple, not very complex. So I think in that aspect, that's what fell flat for me. Um, but for me, what went from a just, oh, that's fine, to a good movie is that there were a lot of very Tender moments or a lot of like very heartfelt moments that I really, really enjoyed. And ironically, hearing that Warner Brothers was going to cut my favorite scene in the movie was crazy to me. Uh, and we'll get into that in this So overall, I think it was a good movie, but didn't quite live up to the hype for me.
0: Okay. Um, for me, I very much enjoyed Barbie. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I had a huge smile on my face from beginning to end. I think the performances all across the board are phenomenal. I think it has the best production design out of anything I've seen this year. It's gorgeous to look at. It's vibrant. It's colorful. It feels like a Barbie movie. It's not too serious, but it's serious when it needs to be. Um, there are some scenes that had me cackling like a hyena, which is usually just me laughing. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> there's some great musical numbers. It's a very tender story. It's a relevant story. I think there's gonna be something in here for everyone, especially like women to really embrace and be really um, emotionally affected by. Um, and I think that it stuck the landing, ultimately. I do agree with Andre. I think the third act has a couple issues in it, in terms of its like structure and its overall effectiveness. But I think at the end of the day, for a Barbie movie, it's way better than it has any right to be, and I really, really oh, yeah. enjoyed it. Um, so, for you know, getting into the nitty-gritty here, what were some things that we really loved about this movie? Let's start with Nancy. What? Let's
1: start with yeah. Nancy. I guess I'll, I'll get into the scene that you know they were going to cut. Yeah. You know, it's a scene where she's sitting on the bench. And she's kind of having this, it's almost like this existential moment where she's trying to tap into why she's there and like who's playing with her in the real world and kind of like what is her purpose here. And she's having all these like very sentimental moments. And there's an elderly lady sitting next to her and she just very, you know, nicely looks over at her and kind of looks at her for a while and just says, you know, you're beautiful in this most genuine way. And I like that. It had that moment because prior to that, right before she came into the real world, she has that moment where she sees cellulite on her leg, (laughs) which was so hilarious. And, you know, Kate McKenna's character was like, fine, have cellulite then. What do I care? She's like, no, you know, as if it's like (laughs) the worst thing ever. So for her to go from that to have this moment of where you genuinely see her, uh, or, you know, she has this very genuine moment of, she really does believe this woman is beautiful. And it's a moment where she realizes, okay, you don't have to be this perfect person to have, you know, beauty. And I just love that scene so much. And well, I would have, the fact that they wanted to cut that out is just ridiculous to me. It was my favorite scene.
0: Okay. All right. How about you, Andres? Yeah. were some that stuck out for you?
2: I mean, for me, that's my favorite scene as well, too. And honestly, I, I posted this up on Twitter where it's like, yeah, honestly, Warner Bros. wanting to cut that scene is very on point with them. I mean, granted, this is also the same company that decided to not release the Batgirl movie. That also decided, that also, um, this is a story that, that is not being talked about nearly enough, But they were uh, Warner Brothers during a test screening of the first Wonder Woman. They were trying to get Patty Jenkins to cut the No Man's Land scene for the very same reason that they wanted this scene cut from Barbie was that oh, it doesn't really move the story forward. It's not really essential to the story. And it's like, uh, it's like, guys, what about character moments? What about character building, guys? Like, have we not learned anything that? You no, know, sometimes we need a little moment that doesn't that doesn't mean anything for the story, but that gives us sort of an emotional core, something to latch onto all the way through. So, like, yeah, God, I, I can't believe they were about to cut that scene out of the movie. But I will say one thing that I really did love um, was the flip around for Ken at the very end, where ultimately he is the antagonist of the movie. Yeah, they did a good really job of hiding that. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we we went into this trail. I mean we went into this movie on all the trailers, like not knowing exactly what the plot was going to be. Like we thought it was going to be, oh, Will Ferrell is trying to put her back in the box. Whereas Will Ferrell, like for as much as he is in the movie, he's kind of just sort of a very secondary character. Like nothing he does affects yeah. the overall plot of the movie, which you know you could sort of have that be as a flaw. But yep. I think I think Ken discovering the patriarchy was fucking hilarious. That was really funny.
0: <laughs> and then
1: the fact that he thinks it has something to do with horses is no, even was, more like, hilarious. I think, I think
0: that was like my favorite line in the movie. He's like, once I found out patriarchy didn't have much to do with horses, I was out.
1: <laughs> it's like, I didn't really care. Yeah.
2: No, yeah I, I thought that I, was, was great.
0: It's hilarious. Oh my God.
2: Well, oh yeah, but but it, but but also like his reasons for for using that and for feeling that way, I think it was very earned, and I think they explained it all the way through in the movie. Where, you know, they set up the little seeds in the very beginning, where he's sort of not respected in that world at all. And then all of a sudden, the moment that he gets to taste it in in the real world, then all of a sudden he just gets drunk off that, and he just starts going. Oh, you know, he carries it forward into Barbie Land, and it becomes like this giant thing. So overall, I I felt it was very earned and very um i bought i bought the conflict for for the rest of the movie and i bought what because because here's the thing if you want a movie to work you have to have your antagonist be at least somewhat empathetic with the audience or at least something where you go okay i buy that transition which oh my goodness which what, what is it called the 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 casa, Mojo the, 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 Dojo the, the,
0: casa has yeah. yeah, Mojo
2: Dojo casa
0: house. <laughs> yeah, we, I've been saying that all the time now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But oh, can, can we also just talk about Ryan Gosling's performance? Oh, he steals the movie.
0: Well, he steals the movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: My lord, yeah. is he funny? So my god, delirious. just everything he
0: does—the mannerisms, the line delivery, the yes. singing—the singing, so good.
1: Oh yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, dang, is that him really singing? He has a good voice. Like yeah, Lala Land will tell oh, you yeah. otherwise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But well, I think ADR here and there. <laughs> and I think you know he did do a really good job. I will say, for some criticisms that I've heard and seen, this definitely isn't a subtle movie. It is going to hit you over the head with its themes. Um, but I think also keep in mind it's not just for adults, right? They are trying to hit mm-hmm. a younger audience, so it is a little bit more obvious. And it's a Barbie movie. There, it, There's nothing subtle about this movie whatsoever. So the themes in terms of, like, America Ferrera giving her big speech and saying how hard it is to be a woman, like, that is a very intentional, I feel like. It's not meant to be subtle. And I've also heard criticisms in the sense of, like, well, it, you know, they're doing the same thing to men that men are doing to women in the real world but if you really pay attention at the end of the movie there is this equality that they figure out you know barbie has this realization she's like oh maybe not every night needed to be girls night you know maybe and where she's like oh yeah where do the kens live you know i you know she (laughs) you can see her piecing it together of just like okay maybe we've been doing the same thing that we saw out there and so let's make it you know let's even it out a little bit let's figure this out and that's what i love about the movie it's not you know what some people would consider like a man-hating movie it's empowering women but also figuring out how we can be just the the better versions of humans in general not just you know shooting down one sex over the other so i really like that that kind of pieced it together at the end
2: yeah I definitely yeah, agree. Absolutely agree. Oh, okay. Wow, look at <laughs> that in agree. sync. Look at that. Look at
0: that. Um, but I also but, thought but Margot you're... Robbie was fantastic too.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she she is she's fantastic in the movie. But I will say, probably one of my favorite moments is when she's like. Crying hardcore in front of in front of Kate McKinnon, and then all of a sudden the narrator comes in, and and was called margot Robbie. I mean, Barbie just goes, "I'm not pretty," and then the narrator comes in and goes, yeah. "Note to filmmakers: yep. If you're trying to hit this point, margot Robbie is the total wrong person to cast for this moment." And I'm like, <laughs> yep. "All right, yeah. they know Yeah, that was <laughs> yep. funny. Or just even her
1: falling when she's you know because she's still a Barbie she's like just flops over and like starts falling face down. I thought that was those little details are so adorable. I like them.
2: Oh yeah, or like also even just going towards some of the smaller details in the movie. I mean, like there's that moment where like. Ken gets at the very beginning of the movie like Ken gets hit by the wave and then when he's spinning around in the air he sort of has like that little jerk where it kind of feels like someone is like turning him in the middle of the air and I was like oh that's actually a nice little a nice little detail like it's like oh someone actually might be playing with this Ken in some alternate reality or in some dimension it was just yeah. it, was just, it, it sold you on the fact that these are all still dolls at the end of the day <laughs> yeah and yep. I surprisingly
1: liked Michael Sarah. You know, Michael Sarah oh, is, 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 is oh, yeah, not we yeah, haven't yeah, we haven't seen him in a while or, <laughs> and Michael Sarah has never been like one of my favorite actors and I was pleasantly surprised. He was very funny. Just every time they would just like
0: cut to his face, I couldn't help but laugh. It's always like perfect. It's always like perfectly timed. Yeah. It,
2: it just also hit when when um, him and uh, America are literally about to drive off back into reality, and they turn, and then there's and then there's a cut to his face, We're like I'm never getting out of this place. It's just like oh my god. Yeah. Which which really quick. Um. Um. I don't think anybody's really talking about America's performance in this. Um, she, I thought, was fantastic in the movie as well. And again, in that monologue, I thought she absolutely killed it. Although, funny story, um, Jen tweeted this out uh, not too long ago, so I give credit where credit's due. But there's that moment where she's having that huge monologue about how hard it is to be a woman. And then literally when the monologue ends, you like in the next theater Next to us, you can hear the Oppenheimer bomb go off, was and funny. then like the theater started rumbling, and we're like, uh, "Oh, I mean, that's perfectly I mean, safe, right? guys." Like, that was hilarious. About, talk about a
0: mic drop.
1: <laughs> that's how yeah. good this speech was. Uh, yeah, no, I thought she was good. That is, I will say, that is one of the things I felt was a little bit rushed with uh, the relationship between her and her daughter. I feel like there just wasn't a lot of buildup. So when it it just very felt like oh, we don't get along, and now we do, and now we're fixed, and now it's good. And it just didn't feel like they went too in-depth in that, so it, it was hard for me to get emotionally connected of, like, her trying to reconnect with her daughter and, like, all these things. And she her daughter even says, you know, when she's making the drawings of the kind of weird Barbies, um... She's like, oh, you're dark and, you know, weird, too. You just don't show it. And it's like, are you, though? Like, it just, <laughs> things like that weren't very, like, explored. And so it just kind of fell flat for me with, uh, you know, with America for, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the only real issue I had with the movie is that I feel like and this is the problem I kinda of have with Greta Gerwig as a writer, is I feel like sometimes she's a little self indulgent with her screenplays. I just kinda of feel like some yeah. I feel like sometimes she's like really feeling herself and she like thinks she's super clever and like, you know, it's like too meta, it's like two on the nose. Like there's some like lines that are just like so like feel like screenplay-y, if that makes sense, where it's just like someone really mm. trying to show off and really try to like rattle this witty dialogue and banter that it just it drew too much attention to itself and it kind of took me out of it. Like, I kind of more so liked some of like the subtle cleverness of the movie in terms of like, you know, the Barbie land and some exchanges between Barbie and all the other characters, but there were times where I kind of rolled my eyes I was like, alright, we get it. Oh, you're trying to be clever? This is so cool. Like, I don't know, just like there's those moments yeah. where I'm just like, eh, he kind of went a little too far here.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it felt very verbose in certain yeah, moments where it's like, yeah. y- you know, nobody really talks like this in yeah, a movie. Yeah, but no. also on top of that, it's like, this is a freaking Barbie movie. Like if if we, I mean, again, uh, that's that's sort of a complaint on my end. But, uh, you know, because of how over the top this world is, I was willing to forgive it a little more. But it was still somewhat of a knock towards the movie as well. Like, I think ultimately probably one of my biggest faults with the third act is they start doing the thing that they tell you not to do in film school, where, which is, you know, it's you're supposed to show it, not necessarily speak it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they even though it was perfectly executed and all this other stuff, I would have liked to have seen sort of that execution of the final scene with her and the person who created her to be sort of more, more visual as opposed to seeing two people stand uh, together, if that makes sense. But apart from that, that's a very minor gripe for for myself at least
1: no yeah yeah i
0: i, I agree with that I will say the movie has one of the best endings <laughs> I've seen in a while. That I whole scene where I like you think she's like,
1: feel, yeah, Oh, I thought I don't it was know hilarious. feel about like, it. it. was funny, but I just like I don't know how I feel about ending it on a joke like that, where you just had this like very serious moment about her like becoming a human and doing all the things. It's kind of like oh, okay, I don't know. It's, I don't it, know just, it worked for me. Yeah, it was funny, but yeah, it was funny though. I will
2: say. I have a feeling a lot of parents are going to have to do a lot of explaining at okay, the end of that's, that movie. <laughs> that's
1: a, okay, that's what I meant too. just like it very much felt like a kids' movie with adult content. And I'm just like maybe don't bring like your six or seven year old to this. This is like either really young where it goes completely over their head, or older where they can understand some of the things. Like thirteen between like thirteen and sixteen, but that middle range maybe not maybe not so much. Bring bring your kids to that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, bring them to Oppenheimer. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> then they really won't know what's going on and just be pretty.
0: Exactly. Um, but yeah, so out of five pints, everybody, what would we give Barbie?
1: Mm, I think I'd give it three and a half.
0: Three and a half out of five? All right. Andres?
2: Mm-hmm. I would give it three, three and a half uh, as well, too.
0: I'd give it a four. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's not perfect like i said but like i had a huge smile on my face and i was laughing like an idiot while watching it it was it was a good time i, I definitely yeah. enjoyed it it was definitely a fun first part of my double feature but now oh, we've, oh sorry oh, 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 I, I, I know something. sorry
1: i i know sorry i like totally messed up your transition It was very smooth i apologize but i gotta say <laughs> uh all the staff at the um at the movie theater were dressed for barbie no one was dressed for oppenheimer that's sad. I, i'm I don't know if that was a choice or if they made them do it, but shout out to the, like, very obvious teenager who was working there. Hilarious. He had a pink shirt on, wrote in marker, I am Ken. And I don't think the theater made him do this because no one else was doing it. Every time someone came up to the counter and he'd go, hi, Barbie. What's your order today? And he takes their order, oh and then God. as they're leaving, he's like, "Okay, bye, Barbie." And I was like, "That's commitment." Like, kudos that is to commitment. you.
0: Now, someone, I loved s- it. someone scared the living bejesus out of me. I went to the bathroom, and as I was like walking out, I, my like I was looking at the ground, and as soon as I looked up, there was a guy right there in an Oppenheimer suit. And I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Holy shit!" I said, "I, I have become death." I was like, "Holy fuck!" Um, but yeah, That's it, people, people were taking it very, very seriously this week, and I I love the commitment. But yeah, speaking of Oppenheimer, let's talk about the latter half of this Barbenheimer event. Christopher Nolan's latest movie about the titular man who created the atomic bomb tells his story, not only about his creation of the atomic bomb, but a lot of things that happened in his personal life, the highs and the lows. Let us talk about Oppenheimer. What did we think about this movie? We'll switch it up and start with Nancy this time around. All
1: right, so... I gotta tell the story of me going to see Oppenheimer first right, before we get into this. <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit of a long story, but uh, I promise, fine. I promise, Con, I would, I would tell the story because, good lord. Okay, so I get there. My movie's supposed to start at seven. I get there probably around seven-ish, maybe a little before. So I was like, obviously, you have time to go get food and whatnot because movies don't start till like 20, 30 minutes later. So I go and sit down. It's probably like seven ten at that point, and the theater is not on and I was like, mm, "That's weird. There should be like some kind of ads on by now. you know anything this this is weird. So the girl next to me goes, "Hey, this is for Oppenheimer at seven thirty, right?" And I was like, "Oh, I have seven o'clock." And she's like, oh, that's weird, I have 7.30. And I ask everyone around me, and they're like, yeah, it's 7.30. I was like, what the fuck? I was so like, this is Auditorium. I said, this is Auditorium 2, right? They're like, yeah, it's Auditorium 2. And so I checked it, and I said, "I showed the girl next to me. I said, is this the right one? And she's like, yeah, that's the right one. She's like, you sure don't have IMAX? I was so fucking confused. I was like, my ticket's at 7. I don't know what's happening. But I was like, whatever, fuck it. I'm in a seat. I'm going to watch this movie. So then she starts talking to me and she scoots next to me and sits in the the seat next to me. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I didn't want to see Barbie. Everyone's going to go see that. I'm going to watch Oppenheimer. I'm like, yeah, girl, definitely. Sure. And then so now I'm in this weird, awkward, like blind date I didn't sign up for. I'm just like, do I talk to you? Am I friends now with you? I don't know what's happening. I'm very uncomfortable. So then (laughs) someone comes in and she's like, you're in my seat. It's like, oh, fuck. I was like, look, can you help me out? I don't know what's happening. She's like, yeah, you bought the ticket for the wrong theater. I look at it and it's for fucking Visalia. When I went and visited home and for some reason, my brain kept telling me it says Valencia, Visalia for anyone who doesn't know, Visalia is two and a half hours away. So it's not like I could rush over to the theater that I bought it for and watch the movie. So I was like, oh, fuck. And there were no other showings I could get into. So I was like, okay, I'm going to slip in the back. Maybe it will be fine. And then people start showing up. I was like, fuck, nope, that's not going to work. So I go and sit in the little love seats where it's two seats. I was like, cool, I'm going to sit here. I bet you no one bought this. And all the trailers start happening. I'm like, yes, cool, good, 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 good. We're getting through the trailers. Then the movie starts, I am like, yes, awesome. Then these two bros walk up and are like, you're in my seat. I'm like, fuck, right as the movie starting. So I had to go and sit in the second fucking row to watch this fucking movie. And now my eyeballs hurt from <laughs> watching this movie like two inches away from my face. So with that being said, I need to give this movie another shot because it was awful watching it like a foot away from the fucking screen. My question is how you
0: got into the theater if it was for a different theater.
1: Yeah, no, they they, they scanned my ticket and everything. They're like, okay, walk in. I was like, okay, cool. So not good security. If you want to sneak into the Regal Theater in Valencia, you probably can go for it.
2: Oh my God. What What a
1: wild ride this was to see this fucking movie. So, yeah, that's my story. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed this. I feel like it dragged. I hate to say it dragged the first 40 minutes. It dragged the last 40 minutes. I was like, good Lord. I felt the three hours so much in this movie. But I will say visually, it was great from what I could see. I was going a little cross-eyed from being <laughs> so close. Um, but it, yeah, uh, acting was great. Uh, some of the dialogue, I feel ironically what you guys were saying about barbie i felt about this some of the dialogue dialogues like this is way over my head it's just too much um ironically i feel like i would have enjoyed it seeing at home first so i could digest all the information and then go see it for what it is visually and like actually be able to enjoy it because it was a lot of fucking information being or, thrown
0: at me. You could see now, it with a decent seat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> don't mean visually like uh, the information that was given because to no me. Because no movie
0: would be enjoyable in the second row. I remember, oh, God. I, I, I vividly remember when Inception came out. My sister and I were able to see it. Ooh. We were able to see an early screening of it, well, and it was like, and it was like first come first serve. And by the time we got into the theater, and we had been waiting like for six hours on this line because it's like, you can't guarantee you're going to get in. We get in and we maybe get a seat in like the third or fourth row and the screen's massive and we're looking at each other like two and a half hours of this, here we go. I remember the entire time, just think, Inception, a movie where you have to try to grapple with everything that's going on intellectually and then try to take in everything that's happening visually and I remember we couldn't see the full screen so I was like, tell me what's going on on the left side of the screen, I'll tell you what's going on on the right side of the screen, we'll piece this motherfucker together.
1: And I just remember, doing this the whole
0: time. I remember like both of our necks were super stiff. we walked out of the theater and it looked like we had just like stared at the sun too long we were just like yeah ah, yeah this it was, is it was pretty good this it was, is it was pretty good <laughs> Yeah, so uh, like, my neck is a, killing
1: like, me I had it yeah. I get, and I still get motion sickness very easily so there was times where I was like hey just look at the floor you'll be okay
0: give yeah. yourself a break I, 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 oh, I don't man. wish I don't wish that that's... I don't wish that on anyone I don't even know why they make those seats frankly it's just not an enjoyable right? experience why? No, it, they,
2: they, they make it simply so that they can sell out the theater and they're like you know but if pe- people people will go see the movie no matter what happens that's one of the reasons why i miss the arc light is because the arc light they had a policy or they actually made some of uh, the arc light is a theater chain over in la essentially but it's essentially just they know that people are paying to see a movie and they want people to have a good experience that's why they employ like basically um, no more than two trailers in front of a movie. And also they don't allow like they don't allow babies in the movie, and if you wanna bring a baby, the, the frickin' the frickin' ticket is so astronomically expensive that they're like forty five dollars for the kid because he decided to not hire a sitter and I'm like Fuck yeah. Oh, that's Damn. genius. Damn. But that should, uh, but the other thing that they do pay did, for a fucking babysitter. But, but the- <laughs> Exactly, but the other thing that they do that made me so happy is that they actually make sure that the frontmost, like like the the frontmost row, you're still going to be able to see the movie and actually like it's it's still like the front row. It's and away from the screen. Would probably be exactly. It's it's like comparable to where to where um to where uh the middle row over an AMC would be. Like it was one of those things that. Truly made me appreciate that, and it's sad that they're not around anymore. But man, that's so frustrating. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Nancy. Because man, to
1: give it another shot, I will say, you know, (laughs) I I think I will definitely enjoy it more. I will say, I I still think it dragged a lot. There was a lot of the dialogue where I'm like, I don't. People don't talk like this. Like it's just Mm -hmm. too much. There's a lot of Florence Pugh B- B- boobs happening. I didn't think we needed. We didn't, didn't think we needed like three scenes of her boobs. I think it was fine. That whole scene when they like, were teasing his deposition or whatever, and they're like doing it and in her imagination. <laughs> that was weird to me. Uh, but yeah, I overall it was a good movie. Just like those things, I was just, like, I could, I couldn't get past. Sorry, what our, sorry, what are, what are Nolan. Beer? That
0: was a roller coaster ride. Right?
1: <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Nolan. My bad.
2: So you enjoyed the movie?
1: Ish. I, don't I don't I don't even know how I feel about it now. It's just ish. All enjoyed right. it. Well, ish. Um, so
0: Andres, what did
1: you uh, think about it? Yeah. Top that, Andres.
2: Oh, I, f- I freaking really love this movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, um, okay, so first off, Nolan had kind of gone down, like, like, his last two movies were kind of a little hit or miss for me. Like, I liked Interstellar quite a bit, but the thing is, it didn't feel like it was the pinnacle of what, you know, um, Inception was, or what. I mean, you know, we we're kind of on a downwards downward slope with Dark Knight Rises as well, too. Oof, Tenet. And I think it. All, and Tenant was probably the worst one, where like literally I couldn't hear shit of what they were saying at all. And I will say they fixed it for this movie. He finally took the advice and just basically did not fuck around with the sound nearly as bad. And it was perfect. It was balanced out. I could hear everything in the movie, even with Ludwig Gorenson's score being as bombastic as it was. I feel like bombastic. I didn't miss a single. Yeah, it's it's pretty out there. But yeah, but like <laughs> no, even I just love with him... you saying
1: bombastic.
2: Bombastic, <laughs>
0: radioastic, <laughs> 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 no, like, thank but you. That's even,
1: exactly what
2: yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, that's
0: all I was thinking about. I was yep. like, oh my god.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but even with that score being as loud as it was, I feel like I never missed a single line of dialogue. I thought the performances were, you know, I mean, Killy Murphy is the one that's leading the entire the entire thing. So I think. It was very subjective in terms of making sure that, that performance was great, but also Robert Downey was fantastic, I thought, as well. It, it felt like for the first time, it was like, oh, my God, Robert Downey actually cares about acting again. Like, he's not being Tony Stark. Like, you know what I mean? But um, I thought he was great. Uh, you know, I will say that some of the female characters are kind of a little, you know, uh, uh, in, in terms of the writing, it's kind of all over the place. I think Florence Pugh's kind of writing was a little... Yeah was a little all over the place but apart from that i think emily blunt did it did a great job with yeah. what she was giving. she had that yeah. one scene
1: yeah that
2: oh yeah
1: that i feel like when we finally got to that scene i was like okay yes do do that like i don't know what
0: we yeah. were doing because i feel like because i feel like aside from that scene she didn't really get to do much in the movie
1: yeah
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah but but also but also even talking about just some of the more technical stuff about the movie, I think Nolan's direction was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think the movie it does do something a little different with that not a lot of biopics do, which is reinvent how you tell the story, which this movie feels like a stream of consciousness. It doesn't feel like here's one scene, here's one yeah. scene. There's like three scenes within a single Within a single two minute moment, which I know that might get a little long after a certain point, but it sort of almost goes to what the feeling of reliving a memory sort of is. And I thought that was a really different way of telling the story and and one that sort of kept you on your toes where, you know, using... The photography as well, too, using color, using the um, the black and white, knowing when one point is in the past and one point is in the future. I thought that was really interesting. Again, Killian Murphy sold the entire movie for me, and all the supporting cast was great. However, I do have to say one thing about this movie that's been kind of sold all the way through is the IMAX stuff. Um, I got to see the movie in a full screen IMAX. As, as we were talking about it during Avatar, you know, uh, Craig was like, did you see it at an IMAX theater or did you see it at a LIMAX theater? Whereas I actually went, I actually took a road trip about an hour away to go see it at a proper IMAX screening. But the thing is, it's not a 70 millimeter film projection thing, which is fine. Also, so many of the film projectors all across all across the U.S. have been breaking down watching this movie. And I'm like, know. Oh, my goodness. But I will say this movie really does benefit from that gigantic screen and that huge aspect ratio that when it comes to sort of the more intimate moments in the movie, there is sort of a uh, like like again, like I said, there is sort of a. An intimate, an intimate feeling with all the characters, where you just have Killy Murphy just being in this very sort of almost uncomfortable close-up, but it's yeah. it's meant to put you as an uncomfortability. It it's meant, <laughs> it's it's meant, it's meant for you. It's meant for you to get inside his head, and I thought that worked really well. But the other scene that I thought really benefited from the IMAX aspect ratio was, I mean, come on, the the big showstopper at the entire movie, the bomb. I mean. Yeah. I mean, when you watch yep. that sequence in a full screen IMAX at a proper IMAX, like, you're just like, whoa, okay, all right, they're playing this off that way. And then it's punctuated even further, and you're just like, whoa, oh my God, that is insane. Yeah. The sound design in this is top tier, so yeah. I will say go see this at an IMAX theater if you can. Do the little bit of research and see if you're seeing it. Like honestly the real the real thing about seeing this at a at a Limax Theater, which is one of those like IMAX theaters that's in an AMC, sometimes this majority of those are actually not as not as big of a screen as other screens that you can find over at an AMC. It's just slightly a little bigger. So you kinda don't really get anything from some of those. Whereas like if you go to some of the ones where there are certain sites out there that will tell you, like, oh, this is actually a dual screen projector or this is actually like, oh, a two-story screen, find a two-story screen to see this movie in because it absolutely is well worth the price of admission and it's fantastic.
1: I will that's, say that that light blast, oh my God, that like hurt my eyes. I was like, ah.
2: that's what they were supposed to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, were and you not wearing your sunglasses? Right? <laughs> what, well,
1: especially again, being in the second row, how you were saying, like, you know, it has all the close ups and shit. I was so cl- I feel like I missed some of the like cameo, or like I didn't realize who people were because I was so close. I was like, oh shit, that's Josh Peck. I'm like, oh shit, that's Adrian, Adrian Wolf. Yeah. Right?
0: Ne- that wolf, yeah. Ne- Wasn't it Alex Wait, it-
1: Wolf? Alex Wolf, that's uh, Alex his name. Yeah, yeah, Get your wolf story. Get your wolf Come on. <laughs> I, I, I knew the right one got the name wrong, but yeah, uh, no, that, was, that sequence was very good. I just ugh, wish I was at so damn close to the screen. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, the pro- the thing that you said, Andres, that I wish I had the experience of was you could hear the dialogue clearly. I could not in my in my oh, screening. No. So. Um, oh. And you saw it. You saw it in IMAX, right? You said you saw it. Yeah, I I think that's the difference because I just saw it like in a regular screening. And while I saw you know, it
1: in a regular screening, yeah, and mine like, well, was I fine.
0: Well, I'm just convinced that my theater just sucks in general. Uh, um, and I had to like voice a complaint mm. between seeing Oppenheimer and Barbie because it was like my final straw. I was like, if I can barely hear the fucking dialogue in Oppenheimer or Mission Impossible, I'm complaining. So I was like, I just yeah. told the yeah. guy, and he gave me some bullshit explanation of. Well, when we get these movies, we get them digitally now, and the studios mandate that we only play them at a certain volume. I was like, "How are the studios? No. Gonna, how no. like, how going to know that you're cranking up no. the volume?" I'm sorry.
2: No, no, uh, no. As, that's as a stupid. former, as a former projectionist, that is bullshit. I know it is. I didn't believe it for a fucking no. second. <laughs> no, no, no. no. And, that and, and, sucks. and it's and it's one of those things where we're like we're like. You know, this was the problem into the Spider Verse, where um, was called, you know, people had to sort of augment the um, the uh, the what's called the um, the sound systems in the theaters because they had made it in such a weird way that you had to tune up certain frequencies and all this other stuff, which affected my screening of The Flash because all of a sudden when I saw that movie about two weeks after Across the Spider Verse, it felt like the volume was so overblown and it's like, you no, know, like I like wish the I had that problem. <laughs> Oh god no but, but but it's one of those things where like no it's it's not necessarily that you're not allowed to it's that uh, the theater just doesn't want to do it it's a lot of work so there you go
0: <laughs> Yeah um but Besides that, I would say I really loved Oppenheimer. I mean, the dialogue thing, it wasn't a huge issue for me. I definitely think it's better mixed than most of his movies, but there still are some scenes where I feel like the sound design and the score kind of supersedes the dialogue, and that's just kind of a Nolan flaw at this point. It's not nearly as bad as it was intended, but it's still a minor issue that unfortunately is still in there, but that's such a minor complaint. For me, I thought the three hours flew by. Um, I love the pacing of it. I love how it was edited. Um, I love how it does feel like a stream of consciousness. It feels scattered kind of like Oppenheimer's mind throughout the course of the movie where you can just kind of sense like he's going, you know, forward and backwards in time, you know, during this like deposition that he's having and kind of like reliving certain things and remembering certain things. And I love how you're seeing kind of like the seeds planted of the atomic bomb, like those little flashes of like wiring and flashes of light. I love all that stuff. The performances all around are just incredible. Killian Murphy, definitely his best performance that I think I've ever seen him give. And I've seen him give a plethora of amazing performances. And it's great to see him get the lead finally. Finally, In a Nolan movie, they've been working together for like 20 years at this point. It's nuts. Um, And I think that the rest of the cast, I'm going to try to see if I can name as many people as I can remember. I mean, Jesus, you have Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Jason Clarke, Josh Peck, Josh Hartnett. Uh, oh yeah Josh Hart I forgot to
1: mention him Jack him. Quaid
0: yeah um, oh yeah Jack Quaid Rami Malek <laughs> shows Malek. up for like oh, a scene yeah. that was so uh, funny
1: I was like crazy. oh Ra- Oscar yeah. winning Rami Malek and no he taker. has like one
0: scene in the movie it's
2: crazy <laughs> which he, he kind <laughs> of saves scene the where day he's just giving paperwork
1: yeah but yeah. he like I mean, he did a weird way like saves the day in a sense which I thought was hilarious yeah of like he has this one little like cameo where, and again, it, I feel like it is set up of just like here's this Oscar winner who's just taking notes in the background and not I, saying anything, and then he like crazy. shows I'm like, up. I'm like,
0: this guy's won an Oscar, and he's like this bumbling, super quiet guy. I was like,
1: what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was hilarious yeah, but, yeah. I, but I
0: feel like everyone in the cast kind of like got their little moment to shine which is nice I mean yeah. thank God they only gave Josh Peck like two lines because I just couldn't take him seriously I'm sorry it's like yeah. I'm always going to see Drake it's and fair. Josh it's it's just it is what it is Ugh. luckily they yeah. gave him like two lines so like, it was fine but ev- so everyone in the, for him. everyone in the cast is great Robert Downey Jr. like you said phenomenal it was great to see him do something besides Iron Man and kind of shed the armor of that, shed the personality of that, and do something different. Oh, what's his
1: face from uh, Suicide Squad, the dot guy? He was very good. Um,
2: Oh, David Delphine.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Nolan loves him. Um, I mean, there's (laughs) so many freaking amazing people in this movie. Everyone's firing on all cylinders, love it.
2: Yeah, Alden Alden. Alden, uh, He was great.
0: Alden Ehrenreich. He was fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, Er Ehrenreich, there we go. Is he he, the
1: one who plays Green Goblin or whatever in the Spider Man Two? No, that's Dane DeHaan. No, no. He
0: was also in the movie, which is another, okay. which is okay. another. I was green like, one. I
1: know he was in it. Which one's this guy? I can't remember. The name no,
0: of it got to a point where I was like, Is there anyone in Hollywood that isn't in this fucking movie?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was Be- Be- Benny Benny Safdie's in this as well, yeah, he, but Kenneth like, Branagh. <laughs> oh, Kenneth yeah, yeah. Branagh. It's like, oh my god! It's like yeah. who who is in this movie? Like, it was kind of the joke of like, oh, when whenever when they were still casting this movie, they yeah. just kept like throwing like casting announcements for this where it's like kelly Bryan is in the movie this person's in the movie this person it just seemed like every week there was somebody that was being hired for oppenheimer and even one of my buddies uh zane who is who is a sag actor as well it was just one of those hilarious things so i was like Zane, come on tell, t- tell me tell me when you're going to tell me that uh you're in oppenheimer now and he's like dude shut up i'm like dude everyone's <laughs> in this fucking movie man <laughs> that's a but, yeah, we, we but, we but Matt Damon, question how funny. Uh, yeah Oh, Matt Damon. Oh, oh, my God. How did we, we, we forgot, forget Matt Damon? <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. He was really Matt great. Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Matt Damon. <laughs> no, he, he, no, he was him. great in the movie. He was great in the movie. I mean, everyone's solid. I'm also loving this Josh Hart netteissance, if we can call it yeah, that. Yeah, good he's for part, him. I mean, he was actually very good in this movie. I, I was really impressed. I feel like maybe his little uh, departure from acting for a while was a good thing because he came back and I feel like he's been delivering some fantastic performances. So, yeah. really happy with that. that. He,
1: he doesn't have that, uh, like, teen heartthrob stigma with yeah, him, I feel, anymore, like, like, which is
2: honestly, great. Kinda, Good for him. Yeah. yeah which which also kind of feels like Nolan, like every single, like some of the people that, that he's worked with in the past have all auditioned for Batman in one sense or another. Killian Murphy auditioned for Batman way back when in the day. Josh Hartnett auditioned for Batman. I mean, so many of the people that, that, that he's met on those Batman movies, it kind of just feels like... You know what? We're just going to keep you around, and then we're gonna we're gonna wait until the proper moment to give you this really great movie at some point. The,
0: the, <laughs> there, there's a joke going around of like, what European accent is Christopher Nolan going to give Kenneth Branagh next?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because uh, freaking um, freaking he he did that accent in Dunkirk as well. And that was the, yeah, hilarious. Dunkirk Tenet. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yep, it's fun.
0: But uh, yeah, aside from the performances, visually the movie stunning. The bomb sequence does not disappoint whatsoever. But for me. Take away the bomb sequence, my personal favorite scene in the entire movie, which I think should solidify its entering into the best sound mix category or sound design, whatever you want to call it is the scene where he's like about to celebrate the bomb being made and he's in the mm. auditorium and it's like this mixture of celebration and horror where he's conflicted about whether or not he can celebrate because like he's picturing dead bodies and charred bodies and then he's also seeing people laughing yeah. and cheering and it becomes and then you see like the background like vibrating like because he's having this super panic attack and it's unbelievably brilliant and it's just like yeah. it's one of the best things I've seen all year and it was so unique.
1: Cutting out the cheers was very smart. And that was so you, good. It, yeah. Because I feel like if you had it in, it would take away from the fact that, like, he kind of is starting to realize, like, oh, this isn't okay. Um, and when he delivers the line, like, oh, I just wish we had it earlier for the Germans or whatever, and you don't hear that cheer, um, I think it made it so much more effective. of Like, you could tell he's just trying to sell this but he doesn't really believe it so i agree i think it was a really good use of the sound to make the scene more effective
2: oh yeah and it was utterly haunting at points yeah. too like it like it was just it was like it, it, re- it really got you under the skin of uh, oppenheimer in terms of just you know everyone's celebrating but it kind of feels like everyone's dancing on the graves of millions of people who just got eradicated in hiroshima which no, again, it's it's one of those things where where people where people just kind of go like, oh, well, there there's not necessarily the threat of nuclear war or something like that. And it's like, c- can you imagine what it must have been like at that point in the 40s as well, where all of a sudden you were just like, you know what, you could literally just be you could literally just be living your life. And then all of a sudden a giant bomb gets dropped like if that, that like I th- I have i never thought about those kind of those kind of terms in so long since history class. But then seeing it played out in this film, it was just I don't know. It made it seem that much more that much more horrifying and that much more just that that was a probability at one. I mean that was that was a possibility and that was a that was a a, a genuine fear in the country at one point. So yeah. yeah. Amazing, amazing scene. <laughs> and even I'm before that, though, what, not, what you, okay,
0: yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh
1: no, no, I was just saying even before <laughs> that, not really knowing that what the bomb is going to do or its effect. They're like, yeah, we may actually accidentally yeah, blow we may up the, atmosphere. the world. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just all that. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I'm curious. I'm I'm very curious though, because like when this like um, re- reveal happened, I didn't know how I felt about it. Like it took a while for me to like accept it and like believe it. Of like when. Uh, they reveal that like Robert Downey Jr.'s character is like the one kind of orchestrating this whole like indictment of Oppenheimer. And he's like the guy who's like pulling the strings because he was like embarrassed in court one day. And I was like, would someone really be that petty that they would do that just because some guy made a joke about his like work? And then I was like, I, th-
1: maybe? I think so. I think so. Well, yeah. and it's hard to say because this is based off of, you know, yeah. real life events. So it's I don't hard know. to how say how much that is true, actually... how much isn't true. I don't know. Right. But I think it went beyond that. I don't think it was, I think that was just the starting point. I think he had a lot of ego and like the guy says at the end, like maybe they weren't even talking about you. Uh, So I think in his head, he just has this idea of like, here's this hot shot scientist who doesn't like to play by anyone's rules and he's making everyone go against me and that's i think that was just the starting point of it and so i could very much see someone who has that big ego and pulls a lot of strings to like be in office and stuff probably would think that i think for me though it it fell a little flat in the sense of like It wasn't a big surprise. I saw that coming of like, okay, yeah, he's probably the one who did it. So, in that sense, it was, it felt a little flat for me.
0: I mean, it wasn't really like, uh, I mean I definitely wasn't a surprise but like when it first happened I was like it can't just be because of that and then when they fleshed it out by saying it was that and then it was him saying oh, okay like well we, we shouldn't like pursue this in that like other meeting that they had and then like you really get a sense of his ego like when he's talking to Alden Ehrenreich's character I'm like oh no this is totally the kind of guy who would do something like this over something mm-hmm. so small so and then you know Robert Downey Jr. just sells the crap out of that so um, yeah, yeah.
2: It, it's, it's, especially with that last smile that he does right before he goes out the door where all of a sudden he's just looking at Aaron and it's like, like fuck you, son of a bitch. And then all of a sudden, he just goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to play it up he for just the cameras. Big ass smile. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh my god. Nah, <laughs> it, it, it I is great. I will
1: say one thing. I, this isn't a criticism. I just find it interesting that um, I find it interesting that there was no mention of Pearl Harbor, which was a big kind of. It was a big catalyst in the sense of. That's how they got a lot of Americans to be on board with the bombing, is that it was kind of this, well, they did this to us, now we need to do this in order to stop the war and look what they did. So, yeah, just a, just a observation if I found it interesting. There was, like, no mention of that whatsoever.
2: Yeah, that was strange. Yeah, and, and, and also, I'm not even going to mention this person by name, but there was a review that was going out that basically said that they gave this movie a zero out of ten. Zero? Only because... A, a, a zero, a zero because of the fact that they ignored, uh, that they didn't, um, portray Hiroshima and I was like, no, it's there. It's there. Yeah, it's
1: I don't also, I don't want it. <laughs>
2: like, no. I, and, and,
1: and like, no, but they and, like and, show and,
0: you enough where like, you know what happened.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You, you, you know enough or you see exactly what Oppenheimer's worst fear is. And I think that's even scarier. Than doing some type of Terminator Two like portrayal of blowing up Hiroshima, where I'm just like, I don't think that that did not fit in this movie at all. Yeah, in, and the way they portrayed so, it was totally perfect.
1: I that's, that would just be so insensitive. Like this movie's already banned in Japan for obvious reasons. Like yeah. I I just feel like that would make it so much worse. Like yeah. we don't need to see that.
0: Yeah. Ex- yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. But uh, in the end, though, what would we give this one out of five?
1: I'm gonna
0: say three and a half
1: again. Three and a half. Okay. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Sorry. Andres. Dragged.
2: You know what? This is damn near one of Nolan's best movies in years, but uh, there, there's like there's like tad little things here and there that knock it down for me, but it is. I'm right on the edge here but I'm going to say 4.5 out of 5 <laughs> I'm going to say 5.4 5. 5. atomic bombs out of 5. 5
1: no you're doing it backwards again
2: 5.4 <laughs> 4 out of 5 what are we doing here 4.5 <laughs> god get it together
0: um.
1: math dyslexic
0: Yeah, I I think this is Nolan's best movie for me since Inception. Uh, I'm going to give this one uh, four and a half out of five pints. I would put this in my top five, Nolan. I would say one would be The Prestige, two would be uh, Inception, three, I got to go Dark Knight, uh, four, I got to go Memento, and then five Oppenheimer.
2: Ooh. You know what? I can't argue with any of that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen Memento yet.
0: Great movie. Highly recommend it.
1: Oh,
2: fantastic.
0: Um, But yeah. But what did you guys think of all of these movies? Let us know in the comment section below what you thought of Barbie, Mission Impossible, and Oppenheimer. What you think of the SAG uh, strike that's going on right now. Let us know in the comment section below. We always want to know your thoughts. And before we head on out, let's let the people know where they can find us on the interwebs. Let's start with you, Nancy. You can
1: find me at pl underscore band-aid on twitter and instagram i have nothing to promote for myself so keep watching the show keep commenting and then also uh my brother aka nerd chronic he has started a new series called into the Reactorverse um with paired with uh passion fruit i believe is the channel so go check that out he's doing some great work over there
2: cool 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 all right audrey's yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as Galagos. You can also find me on Instagram as Galagos. You can also find me on Threads as Galagos now. Oh, you're one of those oh. people. Oh. Okay. oh, okay. Yeah, I decided okay. uh, you think I, you're I don't than care. Us, huh? You think you're fucking yeah. better than
0: us, you fucking fuck?
2: <laughs> Listen, Great I know D. I'm better than you. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm yeah, um, and then you can also find me here chatting movies with my fine co-hosts. And then you can also find me on the High Voltage Media channel and... That's it. You're <laughs> such a little shitbag. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, you,
0: you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Shadowbash. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube at Shadowbash Reviews. Uh, and you can find me here on the Film on Tap podcast, where we're going to be doing this every other week, as per usual, uh, talking movies, doing all the stuff that we love doing. And until next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another brand new episode of Film on Tap, where we've got the tap that never runs out. We'll see you next time, guys.
1: Baby!